0: Welcome to the podcast, and we're picking up part two about Calvinism today. And what I want to present is an alternative view to rigid hyper Calvinism, is what I would call it, or five point Calvinism. Which I want to say that I was trained as a five point Calvinist, and adjusted my view uh, later on in life, and and so forth. So um, there are many different kind of stripes to Calvinism. So I mentioned this tulip thing, total depravity. Unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. So, uh, with that, there are are various forms and shades of that. And when I was a seminary student, there was called hard Calvinism, which was five-point Calvinism, which I described in the last podcast, and then there was what we call a softer, milder view. Uh, and sometimes it's called four-point Calvinism or three-point Calvinism, but there are just moderations to this view. But what it's called today is free grace theology—that the offer of salvation is f- is it's offered free of charge. It's kind of like Taylor: if I gave you twenty bucks, would you take it right now? Absolutely. Well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I have twenty dollars. Twenty dollars cash on me. So I think the first thing when we think about free grace theology or we think about moderating this whole system of Calvinism, because I think the system just doesn't work scripturally and it doesn't work logically as well. So I think one of the things we need to think about is that salvation, the offer, is absolutely free. Uh, Romans 3.24 says that the offer of justification that would be saved is a free gift it's an offer to us i should have cracked my bible open which i will real quick to read that verse because i don't have my bible software up on my computer right now so romans three twenty four says exactly oh, i didn't have a ripped page here it says and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus so notice that we it's freely by his grace it's almost like it's a redundant saying because the word grace has the idea of free so this offer of jesus to us is totally free of charge um, when we look at the calvinistic system the hard calvinistic system if you have to continue in good works till you die that does not sound free to me Mm-mm. yeah it, it just doesn't it just we're, we're, we're being redeemed, we're being saved, but I'm not really saved. And this offer can only be received by faith. So I talked about the farmer who had th- three people drowning out in the lake and throws them lifelines. Well, by faith, they have to grab the lifeline and by faith believe that the farmer's going to pull them into safety, right? So there's, an, there's this act of faith for us to do. And and so in a Calvinistic, hard Calvinistic system, God gives you the faith and places it in you. You didn't choose faith. That, that's bec- that makes right. sense, right? Because, right? because there is no free will. So he has to give you that, that desire to believe. And so in passages like in John 6, it says, unless the Father draws them, someone cannot come to Jesus. And I would just say there's this, God does not coerce us to believe, harass us to believe, he tries to persuade us to believe. There's a difference between persuasion and coercing or harassing. So I might try to convince you, Taylor, you know, it might be a good idea to hydrate yourself, you know, because it's warm out today, right? It's warm out out today, but I'm not going to force you, coerce you, harass you to drink this water bottle today. So I think that's that's significant for us. So that in the hyper Calvinistic system, faith is something that, that we don't get to choose. It's something that's forced upon us. That makes us robots, by the way, I believe. So God gave us this wonderful gift of freedom as well. Romans or excuse me, Ephesians two eight says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So the word by, therefore, by grace means because of God's grace, because it's free. He initiated things to us. He sent Jesus. to the, We have been saved, but it's through our faith. It's the means for it. So, so, and it's not by work. So, a simple response of faith is critically important. And for the hyper Calvinistic view, that that becomes a non-issue because they think that that God gave you that faith, and you don't. You're you're predestined for it. I also believe that the object of our faith Is Jesus Christ So it's a I become a Christian when I believe in Jesus 98 times in the book of John The word faith is used Or believe So every time in the Bible when the word believe is used It's a verb So it's something I do It's an action I take It's not a good work I do to try to earn my way But it's something that I'm I'm choosing to believe But I need to believe in something If I believe in Peter Pan to get me to heaven, that's not going to work. I need to believe in something, and that what I'm believing in is not a philosophy or a value system, but I'm believing in a person, and that person is Jesus, and I need to be clear that I'm believing him to be the son of God, the savior, and I'm believing that he died so that my the penalty of my sins could be paid for. So I'm I'm believing in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. And with that, I think that we can be sure of our salvation. Assurance is possible. Under the Calvinistic system, you're never sure you're going to heaven until you die because you might sin too much. Well, that's scary. It is scary, right? Because it makes us—it's almost kind of like guilt motivation. I'm going to—it's like a child saying, well, if you don't do this, you're— you're not gonna get your treat at the end of the day. I can't imagine some of the stress and anxiety you must have as a believer in Calvinism. Right, but it would be stressful because I gotta continue my good, I gotta continue my good works till the day, till the day that I die. And so, but I think we can be assured. I used to, I have people in my office and I, hey, read this verse out loud, it was John five twenty four, which Jesus said, truly, truly I say unto you that whoever believes in, in me has crossed over from death to life. And I would ask people, have you believed in Jesus? And they would say, well, oh, yeah, I have. And we'd clarify that, you know, Jesus is the savior, not some picture of Jesus on the wall. And, and I said, would Jesus lie to you? So he said, you've crossed over from death to life, and you will not be condemned in that verse. Therefore, if we believe the words of Jesus, we can have assurance because we can count on his word. He's good for it. And so it offers us full assurance of salvation. Another thing that I think is helpful to think through is that we can separate. There's one condition for me to get to heaven, believing in Jesus. There are other conditions for my spiritual growth, and I'm calling that discipleship. So, I can make a distinction between salvation and discipleship. The conditions of salvation is faith alone in Christ alone. The conditions of my discipleship or following Jesus are like serving him, doing good works. That's where good works comes into play. That as a follower that as a follower of Jesus, it begins with my faith in him, but my discipleship has other conditions, giving, obedience, worship, Many different things the Bible says And so I need to separate those two conditions When I confuse them Then I have good works Part of the picture for my salvation Because then I think Oh, tithing is something that I can get to heaven if I tithe money So, quick story, Taylor I took a mission trip to the country of Myanmar And while I'm there uh, it's my first time to teach at a pastors' conference. Thirteen students in the room, and uh, I was with two other instructors. One of them ha- had somebody writing on the wall, to trans on the writing on a whiteboard. What do I need? What do you need to do to go to heaven? So that's a great question, right? Mm-hmm. And so for these pastors there, uh, we got about fifteen different answers of what you need to do to go to heaven. All the way from 15, yeah, I need to tithe. If I don't tithe, I can't go to heaven. I have to do good works. I have to be baptized. I have to go to church. I have to be obedient. It was all about good works, good works, good works. But they also included believing in Jesus. So it's almost like believe in Jesus and do all these other things. Well, those other things are part of discipleship, not part of being saved. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So there are different conditions for that. So I think uh, a better way to look at that than Calvinism is is, is that um, I also think that we have this um, this thought. Well, if it's all a free gift, and I can be assured, then that will mean that the person a person could just sin all they want what's the use of living for Jesus if you're going to go to heaven anyway? Somebody could think that, right? So I'm sitting at a McDonald's years ago, and one of my youth leaders says to me, I'm divorcing my wife anyway. I don't care what you say. And then he says to me, I'll go to heaven anyway. (laughs) Oh, ouch. (laughs) Yeah, right? So right there, that's the... So some people who teach hyper-Calvinism are saying, see, that's the person who we need to be telling them if you don't continue good works till the day you die you're going to lose your salvation and it keeps them in line well i would say that all these years later he's still married to the same person you know things turned around but i think what we need to be aware of is that is that my good works matter for the future because i'll be rewarded someday so we call that the doctrine of eternal rewards. And there must be 50 different Bible passages about future rewards. So God's grace motivates me to live for him because of gratitude, I'm so grateful, but I also have a prize coming, the eternal rewards part. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 11 through 15, it says that the believer will go through the fire and if his works are wood, hay, straw, they get burned up, they're useless, uh, if, they, if the works aren't good, if they have good works, they're like gold, silver, jewels, and that they will be rewarded. So, so it's not even about a relationship at this point. It's just about getting into heaven and getting a prize for being good? Well, I think what we need to realize is it's one motivating factor for living okay. for Christ. I think the overall motivating factor for living for Jesus is gratitude. I'm just so grateful. And, but I also need to be aware that we have all these Bible passages about God will reward us. And that reward might be as simple as, hey, good job, Taylor. I'm so proud of you. And that would be amazing if Jesus said that to us, right? High five. And he did really well. Well done, good and faithful servant, as the Scripture says. So that's enough reward for me just to hear Jesus uh, uh, say that. And uh, so I think it's better to look at the system that... that um, When it comes to being totally depraved, I'm not as bad as I could be, but I'm bad off. Jesus died for everybody. Um, We have the ability to choose or reject the gospel. Otherwise, we can't be held accountable for our actions, because I could not have decided otherwise. I do have, have assurance of salvation. We call that eternal security. Jesus said in John 10:28 through 30, "I and the Father are one." Uh, he places them into my hand, and no one can remove them. And so that phrase, "no one," is the is the strongest way in the Greek language to uh, say "no one." It's, it's it's a very definite way that you're in the grasp of Jesus, and I find that I find that very reassuring. Because then on Monday, when I don't feel my emotions are all over the place. I can still remember I am still a child of God, no matter if I did knucklehead things the day before. Have you ever done knucklehead things? Oh, all the time. Okay, well, good. (laughs) I thought I was alone. So when I think of of Calvinism, I think of the tulip, but it needs to be greatly adjusted in some areas or all areas of of this and that we have a more accurate understanding of Scripture and of God's character as well. Well, at the uh, end of the podcast, sometimes I say grace and peace to you. But I love that word grace. It's the Greek word charis, and it means you uh, received something you did not deserve. So if I gave you $1,000 cash right now, Taylor, do you deserve it? Absolutely not. Okay. And if I gave it to you, you'd be excited? Um Confused, maybe. Okay, (laughs) and um, and it would change our relationship, right? Probably. Probably, right? And maybe we'd have more of a, you know, when you get unmerited favor from somebody, you get something you don't deserve. You're just really grateful for that. You respond out of thankfulness and gratefulness. And I think that's how we respond to God when we realize how sinful we were and that Jesus died for us. And by believing in Him, we have eternal life this tulip thing is a squabble among Christians. It's like an intramural football game. We're all on the same team, but people have differences of opinions. And so next time I want to talk about kind of the other side of this, which is called Arminianism. It's another theological system as well. Well, I want to say grace and peace to you, and we'll talk next time.